I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of Ideas Digest with me, Conrad, and... Brooke. We are recording this first episode live in front of a very good-looking and intelligent audience. I threw in intelligent in there because I don't want to objectify anybody, so... I can tell you're all thinking people. We are here at Hubro Cafe in Newcastle on Derby Street. Great coffee, everybody. Is that the consensus? It has to be. It is, yes. <laughs> so it seems like a very high-pressure situation. We're recording it in front of people, but actually it isn't. And I keep telling Brooke this. I can run post through this. So if you're listening back to this on your drive home or someday and you go, damn, Conrad's putting together some eloquent sentences. I don't remember that happening. The magic of post, people. I'll be deleting the ums and the ahs and the things that didn't quite make sense. So it's not as high pressure as you think it is, Brooke. So don't worry. If you look at the paper on your table, you can log in and ask questions on slido.com and the login is Ideas Digest. Any thoughts or questions that you might have, just send them in and Brooke will be able to have a look at them. But to recap, if you didn't catch the introduction episode, that I did release and is up on iTunes and Spotify. Some of the other platforms are taking a bit longer to get up it turns out launching a podcast is more difficult than i thought if you didn't listen to the episode i'll just recap the premise of this podcast but in a time when the primary driver of division in our society is ideas driving people and groups apart your labor liberal republican democrat christian non-christian you name it it divides us and we together are going to do our best to transcend controversy and division suspend our impulse to label, judge, and write people off. And we're going to take the time to understand the person behind the idea. We're going to look at how some of these ideas we hold shape our subjective world. Because whether we know it or not, we're absorbing ideas, whether it's marketing, whether it's cultural, whether it's religious, these ideas are getting in there and these ideas are shaping how we then see and interact with the world. So we're going to unpack those. This podcast isn't just a passive listen. At some point, some ideas will challenge you. It might not be today. Might not be next week. Hopefully, at some point, you'll be confronted with a challenging idea. If that doesn't happen, then I don't think I'm doing my job well enough, and I'll pick up my game. Engaging with challenging ideas can be uncomfortable, and sometimes we deal with that discomfort by labeling it, resolving it, and moving on. And it usually looks like, no way, you're wrong, I'm right. If you were more educated, you would understand what I I know. I don't want to hear it anymore. And when we do that, we don't only shut down the idea, but we shut down the person as well. And it's easy to forget that people are more than ideas. And if we can sit in the discomfort long enough to the, explore the ideas that people bring to us, then we can learn more about someone else's humanity. Now, to be very clear, by the end of this podcast, our goal isn't to convince you of anything, not to have you ag to agree or to disagree. The goal is to give ourselves access to another perspective and to give us the opportunity to ask questions and learn from that perspective. So, like I said, it's being recorded live because... I need the help of these beautiful people here in Hubro Cafe Newcastle to send in questions that you would like to ask because we all approach things from different perspectives and the more perspectives we involve, the richer the understanding we have of somebody else. Th that's the power of coming together as a collective. 
the more people, the richer our perspectives. Now, sharing an idea takes a lot of vulnerability. And if I'm going to be asking people to do that with me, I'm going to kick it off and I will be the vulnerable one on the first episode to start with an idea. And so I'm going to hand it over to Brooke, who is now going to take charge of this podcast episode. Today, we are going to be talking to Conrad Mikalski, who is my husband, good-looking chap. Thank you. <laughs> but also... But also intelligent, yes. Thank you. Thank also you. intelligent, because I don't objectify either. Today, we're going to be exploring an idea that he has taken a couple of years to cultivate. But before we get into that, let's learn a bit more about you, Conrad. So... Tell us a little bit about you. I actually left this section blank because I really don't like answering these questions, but I'll give it a go. I was born in Brisbane. I grew up in a middle-class Christian Adventist, to be specific, of the Christian denomination. Quite a stable, lovely, loving household. Grew up, didn't really know what to do with my life, so I became a teacher. (laughs) Turned out teaching is pretty good. I enjoy it. Future employers out there, still enjoying teaching. (laughs) That's actually true. I can clarify and verify that. (laughs) How old are you? Am I, when am I 30? This year. So you're 29. I'm 29. Maybe I should take the reins here. (laughs) I always forget. So you're 29 years old. You grew up in a, I would say fairly liberal upbringing. However, Adventist on the Protestant scale is probably more on the conservative side, just to place you. And yeah, you have two parents that are still together, one more liberal than the other potentially. Yeah, my my mum encouraged my liberal tendencies of questioning. I'd always be like, hang on, my denomination believes they're the remnant. How can this be when there's 33,000 different Christian denominations? And mum would entertain that. We'd have good discussions. Uh, Dad, not fully conservative, but more conservative than my mum. So you grew up in Brisbane and then you moved to Sydney. or Newcastle. No, you moved to Newcastle. Never lived in Sydney. Never, never will. <laughs> you say that. And so from moving around, I feel like you got a good sense of the differences between, you know, just within your denomination, the differences between the Up North Conference versus this conference. I noticed the the differences and the taboos that existed in Queensland that didn't exist in New South Wales because I played drums for church and some churches you'd go in and you would be the Antichrist. Other churches you'd go in and they'd go, yeah, we're kind of like Hillsong. We love drums. (laughs) Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Um, idea or do you want to go straight in and tell us what your clickbait title for the idea is? So I'll clickbait it because it's 2019 and we need to grab people's attention. I came up with two because I'm not sure which one is more clickbaity. And audience, if you have a clickbait title for today's idea, make sure you are messaging those in. But yes, go ahead. Clickbait title one is... The idea being free will. Well, I was just about to give it away. Oh. <laughs> nah, I don't I, I'm used to this now. I'm getting to the punchline of my story and Brooke will come in with that bit I was like really building up to. So just pretend like you're hearing it for hey, the first time. Hey, I did time. pretty well. I lasted a couple of minutes without saying it. So clickbait title number one, there is no such thing as free will. Clickbait title number two, you have no free will. Which one <laughs> triggers you more? 
Okay, because it puts you in the... It's like, don't tell me what to do. Yeah, okay. Mm. It's personal, yeah. Anyone can top that as a clickbait title yeah, or... got any? I feel like you've got it in the you bag. You can text me in and we'll, we'll see if, you, if you've got any. When you say you have no free will, I definitely already arc up against that. And I definitely already have that like, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what you think I think or know. But also, I don't know, it, it is hard for me to fully open up and engage with this idea. So right now I'm going to take a deep breath because obviously I can't be triggered <laughs> as oh, I'm, I'm, as I'm interviewing got... you. <laughs> what are you actually saying? So I'm not really, I'm not quite saying that. You click the article and you're like, what? Beyonce didn't do that? Why did I click? <laughs> Joke's on you. Don't click clickbait. What I've discovered is that I'm more of a byproduct of factors outside of my control than factors inside of my control. And what I used to think was free will that I'm where I am because of the decisions I made, I've come to realize 80%, maybe, maybe higher of what got me to who I am today is things I had no control over where I was born, my upbringing, my education status, you name it, none of those were in my control. And I have come to realize that that has more sway over who I am than the decisions that I've made in my life. When did you first start thinking like this? Or was there like a penny that dropped? Or was it a long time coming that you just... I'll tell you a story. Brooke was there, so she can help tell the story. <laughs> I remember four years ago, I was in Melbourne. Lots of good food in Melbourne. Fun fact about Melbourne. And we went out to a place called Little Creatures. Anyone been to Little Creatures? Yep. We'd been there before, went in, looked at the menu. Back in my non-vegetarian days, I was at the point where I'm like, oh, I want to eat quality meat. And so I, I walked in and I looked at the menu and went, oh, yes, chicken pie. I gave up meat pies ages ago because I heard that I had heaps of gross stuff in it. Stopped eating them, but I still ate meat. It's like a chicken pie. I haven't had a chicken pie in ages. I'm ordering this one because it's going to be high quality and I'm going to enjoy it. And Brooke said, Babe, you got the chicken pie last time and you didn't enjoy it. Don't get the chicken pie. Explicit, no. people. I was so it explicit. Was, she, was, she was so adamant, but I... I I thought, no way. I would, I would remember this. If I was disappointed in a meal, I would know. I would have remembered this. But? He got the chicken pie. I ordered it anyway. Chicken pie. Brooke doesn't know me. He put that first bite of that pie in his mouth. And then he was like, I actually don't really enjoy this. And I said... <laughs> wow, I must be some sort of weird psychic or I might have a better memory than you think. And? It turns out... I, I was the catalyst for a really key moment of your life. Well, we can make it all this about you if you like. <laughs> I would like. Okay. No. <laughs> but essentially, I did not enjoy the same meal twice in a row and then I realised all these factors led me to this decision. I was sure I could have chosen something else. Even in the face of someone telling me, no, no, you did that last time. Theoretically, I could have chosen anything else. But because of that backstory of me giving up meat pies, wanting to have a quality meat pie, that same track played twice in a row. And then I made the same decision off the back of that. And then all of a sudden I went, I've got no free will. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a victim of my own crisis. existential crisis. Ensued. And story number two, a bit, bit more sobering, less less humorous, but I was in Nepal driving on a bus and it was just a moment when I'm looking out the window and I saw just a Nepalese man just, I was going to say fielding rice, farming rice. Sowing rice. Oh, okay. 
And I thought, if I was born in Nepal, I wouldn't be me. I would be him. I wouldn't have a religious Christian upbringing. I wouldn't have the education I have. Everything would be different. And that's what, they're like two pivotal moments that led me to where I am now. What did you used to think about free will? I don't think I ever directly thought about it. It was just kind of a sub-narrative that I had running, but I never looked at it directly. But now when I look back at it, I think my Christian upbringing brought in notions of sin and salvation. And I was taught sin was an action. So sin is smoking, sin is stealing, sin is not going to church or whatever it is. It's an action. And if you can take steps to not do bad actions... And if you can then choose to believe in Jesus, then you're saved. Underpinning all of that is the notion of that I have the choice. I have control over all of my actions. I have control over what I believe. And then therefore I'm saved. And I didn't actually realize that this this was actually crippling me quite a bit because I would walk past a homeless person and I would look at that homeless person and I would say, ah man if only you didn't take drugs if only you made better decisions if only you got a better education if only you could make better decisions I'm here because of my decisions but after this penny dropped of hang on I'm not really to blame for my successes in life that I might have had that led to my education suddenly I could look at that homeless person and truly entertain and it's like empathy just came I didn't have empathy I didn't care and I was like oh man make better choices and suddenly I truly could look at them and I thought I could be you if I was born with your parents with your upbringing with if that circumstance happened to me that could be me and then I realized that I'd subconsciously assumed that all of the choices I made I assumed they had the same choices but then I I guess I just realized the choices in front of them were probably None of them could have been good choices. They made the best choices they could their whole life and that's where they are and that this is where I am. You used to think people had choices and then when you realised things were outside of their control... I had empathy. Then you had empathy. Yeah, that's where it came. Before that, you would say you didn't have empathy? I think it was harder for me to have empathy because I just thought, just make better choices. Just yeah. the logical side. So it was very just logical. Be better. And you're a very thinking type person. Hmm. So What gives you that impression? <laughs> So from this way of seeing the world, so you've changed your mindset about free will. How do you live your life now? Obviously, you have more empathy, you say. What else? I guess that overflowed into a lot of other things. Like if, if, I, think, if I think that circumstances control more so than people's choices, my politics changes. So suddenly I think a social safety net's a good idea because I want to help people because their circumstances might be impossible to get out of. Whereas if I believe that they have choice and they can do it of their own agency, then I might be like, no, 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 you can do it yourself. You don't need help from other people. So a lot of, yeah, I, when I think about it, a lot of little things change because of the underlying structure. So this idea of having no free will, how sold are you on this idea? And what don't you know or what aren't you certain about in this idea? Because it comes across like you, yeah, 100%, we don't have any free will. Like, are you fully sold out to this idea or? I get a, a fair bit of pushback on the idea. It, it's fair because we, we experience subjectively that the choices I make are mine. 
I feel like I'm making these choices, but then I map them back and go, I won't eat this food because a childhood experience that I had has swayed my decision to do this. I don't know what percentage is what. It's like the nature and nurture argument. What percentage is nature? What percentage is nurture? What percentage is free will? And what, and what percentage do my choices influence my behavior? And what percentage do external circumstances? Like I said at the beginning, I'm probably at this point maybe... 80% circumstances have led me here and then maybe 20%, but my notion and definition of free will has definitely changed. If I was to redefine free will, I think I would define it now as free will isn't a momentary decision because we can be so easily primed to make certain decisions. And I was just watching Netflix the other night and I just realized there's lots of different things that external parties can do to influence my behavior if they just have that autoplay on netflix i'm gonna guaranteed watch more than one episode but if they put that if there's that little barrier of me getting up and pressing next it's going to decrease my behavioral likelihood to watch the next episode and so now i think free will isn't a choice that i'm going to in the moment that i'm going to make free will is setting it up so if i want to become vegetarian or a vegan i can't just choose that and go i'm gonna do that i need to consume lots of different information about it i need to surround myself with people who think like that i need to change all these factors around me and then those factors will influence my decision the notion of making a simple choice and then making a change because of that choice it's so much more complicated than that yeah if there is free will it's far more difficult to exert than <laughs> simply making a choice. Because we are so manipulated. Marketing, I'm so manipulated. I think things are cool because a TV commercial told me to. I get so triggered by the word manipulated. I do think we're manipulated. I think marketing is designed to influence us to make certain decisions. And then, to, and then we interact with that story as if I made that decision. I just bought a new phone. And I think, yeah, I made this decision, but I've been primed to, to like new technology. I've been primed to... They know your Instagram algorithm. They're yeah, popping in they, those yeah. little... <laughs> and they know I was on the fans because, you know, $1,300 is it's a lot to spend on a phone. But then they're like, <laughs> hey, if you pre-order now, you get the headphones for free. I'm like, bargain, scarcity. The deal's ending soon. I've got to buy it. And then what did I do? So do you think that it's almost like an excuse now? That you can just use. Oh, yes. I'm, it's out of my control. I think you've hit on what I think is the pushback from the conservative side that says, I don't know, if you follow any oversimplified mainstream politics, conservatives kind of fight against this. They kind of say, no, no, we make the decisions. We're in control. Don't tell us what to do. You, it's not an excuse your upbringing. You, like, sure, you murdered somebody, but you can't blame your upbringing for that. And then the liberal side is kind of saying, yeah, but if nine out of ten murderers have been a abused as children then there's got to be some statistic in that and you've got these two tensions of politics and I think we have to learn to hold I'm kind of getting a bit on a tangent but you kind of have to learn to hold both of those at the exact same time if you can hold the story subjectively and personally that sure I have free will decisions I make matter I can influence my world for the better whilst also at the exact same time recognizing things influence me things influence other others then I can have an empathetic out view on the world and empathetic politics that helps others whilst also empowering myself to believe I can make change because obviously if you don't believe you can make change you never will even if you think it's not possible so here's a question from the audience 
how has your understanding of free will impacted your perspective on groups like ISIS? Good question. I've actually kind of thought about this. Have you? Yeah. I've said, and I, I'm going to rethink my statement as I say it. Christy. I've said before, I get it. If I was in the Middle East and there was a foreign invading force killing families, I watched a few docos on misbehavior of the US military killing civilians, all of those things happens in war. We're not, as, we're not so innocent as the West, I've come to realize. My statement to that was, I would probably be that. Looking at my personality and how anti-authoritarian I am, if, if I watched my family being killed and invaded and things like that and I wasn't as educated as I am now, I, like, it could be me. That's how I think about it. Does that answer the question? Do I think it's okay? No. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey. So you're saying you have empathy for the situation. I get it. There's a lot of nuance factors yeah. that are behind situations like ISIS, groups like ISIS. Like I get the factors that led them there and I understand why people do it. I, I think it's oversimplifying it to, to just label them as evil, kind of like politics and media does. It's like, oh, ISIS, just pure evil. There are reasons that led them there. And the more you look into all those political situations, you realise that the West is actually is quite complicit in what created those factors that created ISIS but that's a massive topic that I'm not qualified enough on. Okay, here's another question from the audience. Isn't our experience part of who we are? There are loads of examples of people who make radically different decisions and change their situation. So what about free will in that instance? Yep, I agree. I would say I think it's definitely possible and that's why I guess I'm still on the 80%. And I think there are remarkable people that change their circumstances all the time. But when I look logically at statistics i think that's a minority of people and then i would say i think remarkable genetics remarkable circumstances might have led that person to be able to do that but i don't i'm not saying i'm right that's it could go either way i don't know so where would you say the hope is in that perspective if you aren't born remarkable you can't make empowered decisions to make a better life for yourself if you take my clickbait title and hold that clickbait title being you have no free will then i think yeah there is no hope like it's nihilistic it's determinist it's like there's nothing i do that can change anything and i guess i'm not really on that page either i think i think we just need to have both at the same time i'm not sure which percentage we hold of each but i think if we hold both at the same time then we can hold a personal empowered view of i was listening to a podcast with russell brand and candace owens and candace owens is a conservative black trump supporter Um, And she's quite outspoken um, and her and Russell were kind of going back and forth. But she said something really interesting. She she kind of had that point like, I brought myself out of this. I'm not a victim. I've done this. I made these decisions. Why can't everybody else? And Russell was kind of arguing the the liberal side that was, yeah, but what about these institutional factors that work against you and all these kinds of stuff? And But I understand the perspective she brings forward because I think it is an empowering personal view to hold if I believe that I can change these things. But I think holding too much of either view, pure free will, pure deterministic, too much of either, if you believe that everything's free will, it led me to not be empathetic. It led me to ignore the hard data that says you fall below a poverty line, it's actually really hard to get back up. But then if you go too far into that, then 
you can just use it as a scapegoat. So it sounds like you now have quite a balanced view. (laughs) Your idea has started out so intense and so like you have no free will and now you're like, well, we don't have free will and we do. From my perspective, it feels like I have free will. Do I have free will? I don't know and I lean towards probably not. But I still am acting and behaving as if I do and I believe that story and I act on that story. But I do do present this to people in the... clickbaity there's no free will way just because i think most of society leans towards we have we have a lot of free will and we have lots of autonomy and i think i reckon the scale needs to come back the other way i definitely can see in just in knowing you because we've been together for what almost 10 years and initially when we i feel i would say i'm quite an empathetic person and so it was something that i saw in you that was a growth area. But now, like, I feel like you do give people the benefit of the doubt, which I guess is empathy and understanding, like, people are in situations for a nuanced array of reasons and you have been able to see that and really act and live out of that understanding because of this idea that has changed in you. And it's not just a thinking thing now, it's actually moved into action and it's moved into more love, more acceptance. But then at the same time, you say these things, you have these thoughts like, oh, we don't have any free will, but then the way that you act, you know, you and I are actively planning our future. You and I are actively going out and saying, okay, what do we want to do next year? Where do we want to be in five years? So that is free will in a way. But then I guess you could go back into the rabbit yeah, hole rabbit of, hole. but why are we doing? Why that? are we doing that? Is it because we have grown up in these affluent homes? Why are we thinking these questions? Is it because we've surrounded ourselves with other people that ask similar questions? Why do we want to travel? Because all of our friends travel. Why do we want to have a house? Because our friends have houses, or because that's a tick box in a successful societal narrative like there's it is a massive rabbit hole hole. (laughs) welcome to the entry see you later (laughs) oh gosh in wrapping up are there any authors or people that have influenced you in this way of thinking two i can think of a guy called peter rollins who's a christian-ish philosopher he would identify as christian but many christians would probably say he isn't he makes accessible a, a lot of the hectic philosophers. You've probably heard their names, like Kant and I don't know, I don't know, all those, all those like, te- if you do philosophy, you know those textbook ones. He kind of <laughs> repackages a lot of their ideas and makes them accessible. He's got a podcast and he's got a few books. And there's actually a podcast from Michael Gunga, if anyone listens to The Liturgists. He just released a podcast on the topic of free will and it's a bit of a mind bend. He kind of goes into the rabbit hole of, but what led me to make that decision? What? And he kind of goes into it. And that that's, yeah, if you want to keep going, dive in there. Gosh, if you don't want to be propelled into existential crisis, stay here. Do not go <laughs> until you're ready. <laughs> Thanks for being a part of our first live podcast. I hope that this has at least stimulated some sort of different th- way of thinking or challenged a thought that you might have 
or even if it's made you feel really uncomfortable, that's probably a good thing because then you can dive into that and have a better understanding of where you're at with the idea. If you would like to go to listen to this podcast, you can go on iTunes and Spotify. You can rate or review us. If you give this specific podcast less than five stars, I will personally be offended because I, I am the only, this is the only time I'm going to be running this show. So please give it a five-star rating. You value me. No. <laughs> Make it personal. Really guilt them. That's good. That was my strategy. Mm, we'll, see how, we'll, still, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, you can also follow us on Instagram at Ideas Digest. And also, last thing, Make sure you email us through any ideas that you think have challenged you. Maybe you would like to be interviewed or you know someone that would have some really interesting ideas that you think would be good to unpack. The email is ideasdigest at at gmail.com. Oh, wow, we said it the same. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's going to be like a cute, like we're in sync thing, but you stopped. I thought you wanted to say I was being polite. I know. It was really nice and chivalrous. So if you have an idea, know anyone with ideas, we want to engage with these ideas on the ground level and regular people like you and I are the ground level. That is true. The end. Thanks for listening.